What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Mikey McNuggets, Earl the Pearl, Anthony Antonelli here for another episode edition of Behind the Glass, your favorite producer's podcast of your favorite Cleveland-based YouTube show in the entire world. Earl, you just woke up from a nap. How was the uh, much-needed rest? Man, exactly what you said, much-needed. Getting this link tweeted out right now. Yeah, much-needed, man. I don't get much sleep, so when I sleep, I try to sleep as hard as I can for as long as I can, so... And you yawned before we went live, and Earl said, don't do that. I just woke up. So are you about to do this podcast and then immediately hit the bed? No, no. I got to finish up everything for tomorrow's show, but uh, I did not take a nap today. I regret not taking a nap today. I probably could have used it before this. <laughs> Ant is I, producing tomorrow. so I was planning on a longer nap, and then I kind of it kind of dawned on me, like, hold on. The cast play at 730. We kind of got to go live a little earlier. So. Hey. You know what? After last night's Cavs performance, maybe people would have liked an alternative viewing option <laughs> to watching the Cavs and the Knicks. We're going to talk plenty about the Cavs and the Knicks here coming up. We're also going to talk some Browns. Deshaun Watson was back at practice, and I love Earl. And there may not be anything I enjoy more. Coming to Cleveland is how we analyze practice throws as if it was Oppenheimer's plans for the nuclear bomb. There is not a single movement <laughs> undergone by any player in these videos that we have not analyzed, cross-analyzed, referenced back to Deshaun's days in Houston. Hey, he took a half step to his left. That's new. It is going to be. <laughs> he said that's new. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong, though? I mean, we oh, really you're right. velocity you're right. on practice throws now. Uh, and we're going to get to that in a sec. We got a question, though, real quick for Earl from Devontae Travis. Open pit or Slimans? Mm. I haven't been to open pit, so I'm going to recuse myself. Mm. Here. I'm going to go open pit. I love some slimings, but I'm going to go open pit because there's more options for me there. You can get the Polish boy. You can get the wing dinner. You can get the whole combination with the three rib bones and two wings, extra sauce on the fries. The only problem with open pit is they never in life answer their phone. Like for the duration that they're open during the day, they will not answer their phone. You really got to pull up on them in order to get your food. But uh, that's a great question. I love questions like that. I'll be honest. You have mentioned Open Pit once or twice, Earl. Yeah. What, where is Open Pit? I haven't actually come it's off of, uh It's off of St. Clair. We might have to slide one day after, uh, after work. Okay. It's not a, it's not like a sit-down spot or anything like that. It's a grab-and-go? It's, it's a grab-and-go, so we'll go together. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. You know, I- I get what you're saying. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll we'll go together. Everybody put their order in. We'll have, you know what I'm saying? Like, trust me, you you will enjoy the food. Uh, Devonta said, I got to go. Well, hey, whenever Earl wants to rock over to uh, Open Pit, I'm down to try it out. But it's even in the same discussion as Slimans, we'll be in for a good lunch. We're going to need another minute or two before we dive into this Deshaun Watson practice throwing. Will he play? Will he not play discussion? And we're going to talk plenty about Evan Mobley and the Cavs. Earl was at the game last night, and I cannot wait to hear his impression of kind of the atmosphere as they played again. Oh, what's up? 
did you see the video I sent? I am so proud of my new phone, man. Did you see me zoom in and got the clear picture of Donovan Mitchell? I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> the iPhone 15 is what scares me about technology. We are approaching a day and age where, <laughs> like, technology is too good for its own good. And, I, we, Errol, you weren't on the meeting with Ian last week when he pulled back the curtains behind the scenes, behind the glass. Ian is our, like, Tegna digital guru analytics guy that works with us. Well, he's letting us go now because we have reached a point with UCSS where he, he, he's only needed in certain situations, not a day-to-day thing. And one of the new projects he's working on with Tegna is AI. And AI scares the you-know-what out of me. Yeah. Like the absolute, absolute you-know-what out of me. And I am I, – listen, technology is just getting too good. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to piss off the robots in the future. They're going to <laughs> Every podcast and every every word I've ever spoken, every text I've ever sent, I will not talk anything bad about technology. You robots are probably beautiful and nice people, but stay the hell away from me. I want nothing to do with y'all. I want nothing to do with y'all. It was just, it's funny, man, because, you know, the last time that uh, we did an event, um, I think it was Cavs Media Day, and that's what kind of, like, struck a nerve. Like, it's finally time to upgrade the phone. Let me stop being cheap. It's just upgrade the phone. And uh, it was mainly, like, for the camera part of it. And so, like, I had pretty good seats. Well, I, I was just recording the intro. When I got to zoom in, like, slow, we got a picture that cleared and zoom it all the way back out. I was like, oh. Make a videographer out of you yet. So, hey, hey, real quick. It ain't at like like Simon's or uh, <laughs> or um, open, pit. open Pit. I'm down with either. It's the 15 the same as the 14. I don't know. I had the iPhone 11 for the longest. Like, my phone was paid off. And you couldn't tell me to upgrade my phone unless it was broke. But you know, yeah. duty calls, and you got to make sure, like, what we what we putting out there, the product got to be crisp. So can't shoot no shorts with no eleven. <laughs> nah, you got to do what you got to do. And we took yeah. some uh, headshots and some pictures with the fifteen. The video looks phenomenal. I see Adam H said that he's a software engineer. He leans in on AI daily already. Uh, yeah, that terrifies me. I'm just gonna I do you. like the AI memes though. The, the AI <laughs> memes. <laughs> yeah, our it's gonna our, be a good uh, NBA season. DMs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, guys, let's let's hop into it. We, we've waited a few minutes for people to get in. We'll get some more people chiming in. If you didn't see this, and Anthony, if you'd be so kind while I'm kind of setting the scene, can you go through Mary Kay's Twitter and just post a couple links of Deshaun throwing the football today in the chat for anyone who may have missed it? I'm on it. If you were living under a rock and haven't had a chance to go on Twitter yet, good for you, first off. Twitter's a toxic place. But what you can get from Twitter is videos today of Deshaun Watson throwing a football. He was back at practice. It was an indoor practice. Uh, the reporters who were there said it was the normal standard quarterback routine. Zach Jackson reported that he actually pushed off and waved off some of the backups so he could get a few extra reps in the throwing drills, which is not uncommon, but definitely a positive sign that his shoulder's feeling good enough to throw a couple extra passes. Did he have more zip on the ball? Did he not have more zip on the ball? To me, it looked like there was a tiny bit more. Uh, it wasn't like he was letting it rip 60 yards downfield by any means. But at the end of the day, Earl, Deshaun Watson was back on the practice field throwing routes to his receivers. And anytime we see Deshaun in action in any capacity, he will shut down all of the Seattle week leading up to the game. I think it's a step in the right direction that we might see DW4 back on the field in the near future for the Cleveland Browns. Oh, man, big facts. But listen, the sooner he get back up under center, man, it's, uh, it's like the better it is for everybody, the fan base, the team. You know, we all kind of stressed out, frustrated behind this whole quarterback situation. So if he's healthy enough to get out there and actually be productive, um, the sooner that can happen, I think it's better for everybody. 
honestly, man, if if he is what's today, Wednesday, if he's practicing today, I think that's a that's a positive sign for real. I heard Joe Thomas speak yesterday on the Cleveland Browns radio network. Uh, not yesterday, last week. I'm sorry. On a, a Cleveland Browns network about Deshaun Watson taking all the reps in that Friday practice. And he was explaining how it's a huge difference between taking all and most of the reps reps in a Wednesday practice versus a Friday practice, how Friday, a Friday practice is kind of similar to a walkthrough. It's not as intense. Yeah. It's not much going into it. So to see him actually out there taking reps today in a Wednesday practice, I think that's a good sign. If he can play Sunday, um, I would definitely want him to play Sunday. I don't think no team in the NFL is an easy win or a cakewalk. But, man, like if you're going to get your feet wet, like this would be a nice time for you to get your feet wet before we go play Baltimore. You know, I just think like if you can play, this would be the week to play and try to knock off some of that rust, man, and kind of get yourself used to getting hit and see exactly, you know, the extents of how far you can go with the injury that you have. Um, I trust that a little bit more this week versus him going out fresh uh, next week versus Baltimore. But if it has to be Baltimore, it is what it is. But today was a good sign that possibly we can see him Sunday. I'm so mad you said that, Earl. I'm so mad you said that because I thought I was going to be kind of the contrarian here. And I, I literally have had a change of heart in the last two hours. Literally in the last – in the group chat, I sent the video and, and Jason said he would sit him till Baltimore. And I was like, I agree. And then literally an hour later, I was like, what the hell are you thinking? You're an idiot. Here's, here's why I'm calling myself an idiot, and I'm on the panel tomorrow. I'm going to say this again. I know Bull's going to disagree. We saw Deshaun Watson come back last season after missing an entire season and serving an 11-game suspension. He was rusty. We saw him try to come back against Indy. He was hurt, clearly, and a little bit rusty. I'll use Joe Burrow for an example. Did not go through much of training camp with the calf injury. He was rusty week one against Cleveland. I do think there is something to be said about Deshaun Watson, who has just frankly not played a ton of football in the last two and a half seasons, needing reps on the football field to get back to being the Deshaun Watson we were accustomed to seeing when he was in Houston. Mm -hmm. Next week is Baltimore. This week is Arizona. I do not feel comfortable putting a rusty Deshaun Watson in a game against Baltimore, who currently has the number one ranked defense in the NFL. They have surpassed Cleveland as the number one ranked defense in the NFL. If there was ever a game to let a Deshaun Watson, who may be a little rusty, kind of work off the rust and get some kinks out, it would be against an Arizona defense that's 27th in the league in passing. In stopping the pass, however you want to say it. This is the game to allow Deshaun Watson to work through some of the issues that he's had against Indy, which once again was health-related, was health-related. If he's healthy enough to play, I don't see the benefit in letting him sit one more game because the initial timeline of this injury was two to six weeks. It has been six weeks. It wasn't two to eight weeks. It wasn't two to nine weeks. It wasn't two to seven weeks. It was two to six weeks. Now, every injury is different. However, if he is technically at the point where he is, all right, it's healed as much as it's going to heal this season. It's little pain tolerance or you feel better. I want him out there against Arizona because I don't think a rusty Deshaun Watson against a number one ranked defense in Baltimore is a recipe for success. I think the Browns could beat Arizona if Deshaun Watson's not at 80%, whatever he's at, 60, 65%. I think they can win. If he's at 60% against Baltimore, that is a hard-ass game. And before you say that, I'll say this. 
you know, he spoke to that time frame too. And he he said the time frame was just a basic time frame based on the information that him and his team had gathered, and that you know, he really wasn't sure, you know, if the uh timeline would have him out longer than the six weeks, etc. So, like the timeline thing really don't matter too much. I don't think his injury is going to be 100% at any point of this Agreed. season. So, like, to your point, once he's at a point to where, like, he can do what he – because he said it wasn't about the pain. It was about being able to make the throws and grip the football. And so if he can do those things and he can do those things to where he feel comfortable enough, then get out there and go play football. Deshaun yeah. Watson presents our best chance to win at quarterback. As far as a rusty Deshaun Watson versus Baltimore, I'll tell you like this. I'll take a rusty Deshaun Watson versus Baltimore – than a P.J. Walker that'll be making his third start in a row. You know what I mean? That's that's just keeping it all the way real. Like, a rusty Deshaun Watson is still better than P.J. Walker, who at that time would have been up had consistent reps. So, like, you know, we need our quarterback out there. At the end of the day, the defense, you know, they've done as much as they can. The running game has been sustainable throughout. And we all know that we need competent quarterback play. Um, As far as, like, you know, something else on Deshaun Watson – and um, Wait, hey, I was, hey, before you get to this other thing, can I, can I just chime in one thing on what you said? What's up? So when Deshaun got hurt, and we had we had J- Dr. Jesse Morse come on, and we've had ten different doctors tell us it's a baseball injury, right? Jay Crawford said he had the same injury in baseball. Mm-hmm. When Tristan McKenzie gets hurt and he's ready to come back, do they throw him up against the New York Yankees in his first game back, or do they let him go to Double A and Triple A and get a couple warm up starts in? He went to Double A and Triple A, but that's yeah. totally different. That's totally different. You got way more games to deal with than you do in the NFL. My point right? is, no, no. My point is, if this is a quote unquote baseball injury, before he gets back to feeling good enough to go against the A League team, mm-hmm. Arizona is the equivalent of a Triple A team in this situation. No, I, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah. Like, I, that's, like, that's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, whether it hurts or not, for sure, for sure. No, like, like if, he, if he can go throwing hundred, if he could play. This is the game to let him get that proverbial rust off and figure out how he can play best with the limitations his shoulders provide. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, if he can go, he can go. And if he can't go this week and then his first week back is against Baltimore, then damn it, so be it. Your first week back is just against Baltimore. Yeah. The sooner that you out there, the better off it is for our football team. We are here trying to go win as many games as we can to secure a, a playoff spot and then see what happens from there. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, I thought, made a really good point. You know, like uh, I'm going to kind of like, you know, just speak to it a little bit because it struck a nerve within me. And he talked about last week um, about how, you know, a lot of people are real quick to write Deshaun Watson off after less than 15 starts within his Cleveland Browns career. And how we have to understand, man, like this thing is take time. This is a long term relationship. This is not a fling. And so, you know, we got to be patient with this dude. You know, what I mean, we, we can't write him off. You know, he's hurt. He hasn't been on the field. There's been a lot of different situations uh, surrounding him that has kept him from getting consistent on-field in-game reps. But, like, it'll be all right. Things will be all right. Yeah, Things will be all right. I know I'll be emotional in the moment after the game when things is like that. But that's us, man. That's still a fan of me. I thought the fan of me was dead. Clearly it ain't. So, like, that's just yeah, how no, it goes. It, it never truly dies. You could, Unless you're Jason Lloyd, who has somehow made a deal with the devil to where nothing affects him at all, good or bad, that's it. Like, Jason's the <laughs> only one. And if you were in Kevin Stefanski's shoes and the doctors tell you Deshaun Watson cannot hurt himself worse, but, like, he could hurt himself in another way, but his shoulder's not going to get worse by playing. Do you play Watson do you play DTR? Do you play Walker? Stefanski said Walker would be the quarterback if, if Deshaun can't go, but what would you do with Watson? 
I'm with you, Mike. I think the Cardinals would be a perfect warm-up game before going in to Baltimore because we play. Do we play in Baltimore when we play them next, or are we playing yeah. them at home? No, it's in Baltimore. The, yeah, Baltimore. I'd warm him up against the Cardinals at home in front of a friendly crowd against the worst team. I I'm all, I'm totally on your side. And then real quick too, Earl, how patient can we be though if we're saying uh, this Browns team is a win now team? I understand it's a long term relationship with Deshaun, but as the team overall, how patient can you be? I just feel like, I mean, as a team, as a fan base, as an organization, as a member of the media, I think we need to just recognize what's going on. Deshaun Watson is in a flame. That dude got a five-year contract. And no matter what drama that goes on that surrounds him in this entire situation, to me, he's going to be the last man standing. Kevin Stefanski will lose his job before Deshaun Watson is traded. Andrew Berry will lose his job before Deshaun Watson is traded. Because when we talk about the money, and I don't like talking about the money, the cap hit that it would cost the Browns to release or trade him, I think before 2025 or 2026 or something like that, it's like absolutely ridiculous. And so like for us, I'm saying be patient because he's not going anywhere. And yeah. I think it's that whole thing I spoke about, you know, when we was on the show Monday that, you know, sometimes we get frustrated behind based on how we think things should be or how we want them to be. And I kind of like, try to put a little bit of my my everyday life approach into my sports takes. And I tend to look at things like, okay, this is the situation. This is what it is. So how can I make the best of it? And in order for me to make the best of this Deshaun Watson situation, I got to understand that this dude is going to be my quarterback for at least the next three seasons. So let me try to look at this thing as optimistic as I can so I don't want to frustrate my damn self in the long term. I mean, I get, I get the frustration. I also understand that Deshaun's – on a five-year contract and he's not going anywhere like the Browns for better or worse. I'm going to use the word stuck, but I don't mean that in a bad way. The Browns are tied to Deshaun Watson through the remainder of this contract, barring any ridiculous circumstances. And that's just how it is. So I think it's fair to evaluate on what we've seen so far. I think it's unfair to write him off completely. Yeah, I agree with that. Exactly. That's how you put it. We evaluate what we see on a day-to-day game and game basis from what we see so far, but to write him off completely, like yeah. that's 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 kind of asinine. And, you know, we only saying that because of the, some of the things that's been talked about over the last couple of weeks regarding like, you know, his will and want to play and, you know, faking the injury and just everything like that. You know what I mean? Like that dude is going to be our quarterback for a while. So the whole like Deshaun isn't tough thing cracked me up. The best story about I've ever heard about Deshaun was he cracked his rib when he was with the Texans and he couldn't fly. The doctor's he like, really got, he got on a bus. And bust his bust him and his personal trainer and coach, like his squad, from Houston to Jacksonville and back to play in the game. Like he bust. He was like, I'm not missing this game. I don't care if I have a cracked, broken rib. I'll bust my ass to Jacksonville. That's not like Houston to Jacksonville is like a 16 hour drive. That that's not yeah. a quick little skirt down the uh, the interstate, Dallas to Houston. That's crossing many state lines. And you know, if Deshaun's healthy enough to play, if he is healthy enough, and I repeat everything with the caveat of he's not healthy. He's not healthy. He can't play. But if Deshaun is healthy enough to play, I want to see him out there at least for, at least for a little bit against Arizona. And then you could reevaluate where he stands. Is he close? Is he not close? If he's still not close after Arizona, maybe you do send him to the IR, but you need to see it. I need to see game action. I, I, I'm, we talked about getting fooled by Elijah Moore in the preseason hype videos and all the training camp videos and these videos from practice where he looks amazing and he just hasn't produced on the field yet. And maybe he will. Maybe but to this point he hasn't. 
Like I'm not I'm, I'm not going to buy in off practice throws from Deshaun Watson. I need to see tangible game throws with a real pass rush where it's not predetermined he can't get hit. I need to see if he can handle those situations before I throw him in or make any determination, good or bad, what his future is this season. Like I need to see those reps, and I'd much rather see them against Arizona than I would against Baltimore. I mean, yeah, like, you know, the sooner he can get out there and play, the better. Um, saying that with the mindset of, at the same time, you can't rush him back. And if he's healthy enough to play, then go out there and let him play. And the only people that know that is the doctors that's evaluating him, and, and he know that. He knows his body. So, you know, us as in the media fans, you know, we're going to speculate this thing until yeah. we see him out there playing more than one game. So that's that's just how it's going to go. But, you know, based on how the quarterback situation is with, with the quarterback room, it looks like I know Kevin Stefanski talked about, you know, he's comfortable with the room. He's comfortable with the players in the locker room and all that's cool. And I get it. It's cool to tell us that. But everybody knows we are all feel a whole lot better with Deshaun Watson is back yeah. under center playing uh, quarterback for the Browns simply based on trade deadline came and went and the quarterback room stayed the same. He's already said that PJ Walker will be the starting quarterback. If Deshaun Watson can't play. And I know a lot of the fan base have mixed emotions based on how they feel about PJ Walker uh, being a uh, starting quarterback and, you know, things like that. So um, this, this team, you know, they need, a, they need a quarterback. We talked at yeah. nauseum that, the Browns is only going to go as far as Deshaun Watson takes us. And we've been able to survive, you know, with Deshaun Watson either not playing well or not being available to this point of the season. So if he can get healthy enough, man, to, to lead us to some wins that will lead us to a playoffs, then, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say something, and I want you to let me know if you agree, disagree, totally disagree, or whatever in the middle. And then we'll move on to some caps here in a sec. But the fact that Andrew Barry – did not make a more aggressive push for a quarterback. They called on Jacoby Brissett, but they offered a sixth. The report was Washington wanted a third. That's obviously so far on a different end of the spectrum. They were never going to come to the middle there. To me, the fact they didn't, they weren't more aggressive in upping their offer and or looking at other options tells me they believe Deshaun's closer to coming back than maybe we were willing to believe before we saw him practice today. That they were willing to say, hey, this might just be one more week of P.J. Walker before Deshaun's back. Or Deshaun's progressed significantly in the last two weeks since Indianapolis. And you know what? We think he's ready. And that's why we're not going to give up a third-round pick for a guy who we know is better than what we have but not great. Is that any sliver of truth to that, you think? Yeah, I think so, uh, especially with him practicing today. If he hadn't practiced today – I'd be more inclined to completely disagree with you, but if they knew he if they knew he was progressing enough that they can practice him today, and he's back to day to day for this weekend, and they're expecting that they can probably play him this weekend if he's practicing well today, then yeah, I mean, there's no point to go out. I, I understand why they didn't do anything, and that's why I was hoping they didn't do anything. I'm hoping it's not like G's tinfoil hat where he's like, they they know they're good for a year, so they don't care if the season goes poorly or not. I'm assuming that they believe full heartedly that Watson will be back. Not even if not by this Sunday, by the Baltimore game. For, for me, I don't think that went into the, the um, process at all. And if it did, I hope that's not the case. And the reason I say that is because like, you know, like Deshaun Watson can possibly like re-aggravate that injury and then miss more time. And so like, 
I just think that they didn't acquire a quarterback because they couldn't. I don't think it's because they looked at the timeline of Deshaun Watson coming back and saying, okay, so since Deshaun Watson will be back, we finna be okay. You have to understand at this point, especially after Indy, that, you know, this is something he going to deal with for the rest of the season. And there's a strong possibility that he can get hurt again. And so you can't just be like, cool, he's back. You still need a contingency plan. And, you know, I felt like the whole Jacoby Brissett chasing after him report, you know, that was it sounded like a last-ditch effort, especially if you only offered a six-round pick. I wouldn't have gave Washington a third-round pick, by the way, Jacoby Brissett. But it just seemed like you kind of start chasing this thing a little bit too late. And so, like, you know, I just hope, like like we talked about on the show, that at the end of the day, it don't come back to bite him in the ass. But more importantly, us as fans, you know, hopefully his decision don't come back to bite us in the ass because we're going to be the ones that's pissed off, frustrated, and, and all the things like that. So we'll see. I wonder if I – just, I just thought of this as you were saying that, Earl. I've had this theory for a while, and, and it's probably not ready to be fully unveiled, but Andrew Barry doesn't seem to like to admit his mistakes. Like he held on to Anthony Schwartz probably a little longer than we all thought he should. There, there have been there have been some other draft picks that he has been uh, less than willing to part ways with when it seemed like everyone else knew they had uh, they had swung and missed on. I hope this isn't the case. I really, really, really hope this isn't the case. But is there any way in the back of his mind? He's like, I don't want to admit that that DTR that trading Dobbs was, was an issue and we're comfortable with our QB room. So we're just going to rock with them for better or worse, because I don't want to admit by going out and bringing someone else in that I effed up. Like, I hope that's not, I hope that's not true or not right. And I hope that's way off. But as you were saying that earlier, that, that thought kind of crept in the back of my head that maybe his own stubbornness was the reason he wasn't more aggressive in pursuing a different backup quarterback. Sometimes when I wonder if he psyched himself out. Yeah. Like sometimes I wonder if he's so smart, so intelligent that when he makes some of these moves, that he psych himself out. What I've come to know about Andrew Barry, some of the fans might agree with this. Um, during his tenure here, when it comes to these draft picks, he real quick to get rid of seventh round picks, but he loved him some fifth and sixth round picks. Love and it's, the, man, it's yeah. the weirdest thing, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Like these late round picks that he really don't care to have versus the ones that he liked to acquire. Um, I really just felt like in a situation like the report was real that he went out to Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. So I definitely don't feel like he was that stubborn to realize he made a mistake. Him going, trying to go trade for Jacoby Brissett tells me that he realized he might've messed up. But the fact that all the moves prior to this has put us in a situation to where we really don't have many resources to work a trade or to acquire, you know, uh, you know, upgrades from what we have in the quarterback room um you know maybe that's where the stubbornness can be shown a little bit i feel like uh dtr though man i feel like he was done a little bit unfair if i'm being totally yeah. honest Hell like yeah. I, I know people was pissed away played and he did not play good at all but i really just don't think kevin stefanski did him no favors by not really giving him an opportunity to play since then like for you all to kind of like backtrack on all this confidence that you had in him being quarterback to um, to PJ Walker coming off the practice squad to being your starting quarterback. I think it's just kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like I think the dude confidence could be shot from something like that. I know some people might look at it the other way that 
if you throw him back out there after having a bad performance, it can shell shock him that way. But it don't do anything to for your confidence when you mess up for the first time and then you don't even get the opportunity to do it again. Uh, if I mess up, like if I was DTR, like Ant, ready? I'm going to give you an example. You tell me how you'd react. If I asked you to come up with a, a graphic for a new segment or whatever, and you were like, what do you want? I'm like, yeah, just do something. And you came back and I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> Wouldn't you want the chance to redo it? I mean, yeah, probably. Like, right? Like, I think yeah. that's human nature. Like, DTR, he was put in such a bad position against Baltimore. A, it's a good defense. B, he had split reps and barely took the reps on Friday, which, as Earl alluded to earlier, is a walkthrough. He didn't even show up to the stadium on Sunday knowing he was the starter. I mean, listen, Earl the Pearl came in Monday, thought he was going to be clip, clipping the show, and he ends up sitting on the panel. Not everyone's Earl the Pearl. Not everyone could adapt on a fly like that. It takes a special talent to do that. DTR is good. Did you guys freeze? Or am I talking to myself here? No, no here. but I, I would say this. I said this you on the call. You guys both stopped moving at the exact same time. I said this on the call. That means I got the talent to do it, but it also means our system works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, I mean, I, the I, offense works. And I didn't I'm not, know I'm I was not producing comparing. yesterday until 10-15. So. Hey, and what yeah. happened? What I'm happened? I'm not comparing uh, playing quarterback – to clipping in and stepping in a panel, like two very different things. But you get I'm my just point. I'm saying the office works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Earl and Anthony, by the way, if you guys are members and can drop the Earl and Anthony emojis in the chat, I have not seen them in the chat yet, and I would love to. So if you guys have it, let me see an Ant and Earl emoji in the chat. That's going to be dope. I'm so glad we got to the uh, the membership tier to include those two in there because they, they very much deserve it. But it's going to oh. be – I can't see them on the uh, restream. You got to go your phone. Yeah, I, I got I got on my yeah. phone on the other side. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't I'm read anything in the chat. Right no, but there is. Uh, I can see the pictures, and they do look phenomenal. I look um, so pale. I hate it. Yeah. Well, that's that's just oh. you, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's I know. Like, unfortunately, look at Earl dropping his own emoji. That's a power play right there. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It is. I asked on Tuesday. <laughs> I said that to my daughter. She was like. So she'd be so unimpressed. <laughs> but I, I asked on Tuesday, I was like, when's the last time it's Tuesday? We don't know who the starting quarterback for either team is going to be. And then let's fast forward to tomorrow. And we're probably not going to know till Friday that we're not going to know a single starting quarterback in the game until Friday afternoon. Maybe later. Because Kyler Murray today said, I'm feeling great. I'm energized. I want to play this week. Will Jonathan Gannon put him in the game? Will Jonathan Gannon uh, speed up his timeline? TBD, we'll find out. But there is a chance that we have Kyler Murray versus Deshaun Watson, and there's also a chance we have P.J. Walker versus Clayton Toon. Could you imagine the bigger drop-off, a bigger drop-off in quarterback matchups from an excitement standpoint than Deshaun Watson versus Kyler Murray to P.J. Walker versus Clayton Toon? Like that, that might be the biggest quarterback matchup drop-off in the history of the NFL. No, nah, I couldn't imagine that. I, I would definitely stay away from any fan doing bets on that game for sure. If that's the quarterback oh, matchup, we're not touch I, that line. Hey, listen, I'm gonna tell you though. For me, the Cardinals don't have really no reason to to play Kyler Murray, man. Like, I don't really think they' trying to win. And like, I, from what I understand, like it's a it's a money based uh, contract incentives, you know, based on what percentage of the snaps he play. And so, like, you know, they might be looking at their situation like. Looking at this draft class, like, shoot, I might be able to trade Kyler Murray at the end of the year and save me some money. So I really don't feel like, 
You know, the fact that, like, he – I'm pretty sure he can play. But, man, they, they not in a rush to play Kyler Murray at all. They, every move that they've made has shown that they are really not interested in winning. So, because if they were, Kyler Murray would be the starting quarterback this Sunday against the Browns. That would have been the case. Him speaking to the media, he out here throwing his lob. He trying to play football. You know, yeah. but it's a business side of thing, and I just don't think that they're interested in letting that man see the field anytime soon. Now, he will play, but he ain't going to play this Sunday. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Miles Garrett, Garrett about the man. Miles Garrett should eat. <laughs> you know, they were, they were, you know they were college teammates, right? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, the historic yeah. class that produced nothing for the Aggies. Woo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, they had, they had two five-star quarterbacks in that class, and neither was – both made the NFL, and neither did anything at A&M. Hey, it'd be like that. Man. Yeah, you know, it happens. Kyle, yeah, the whole AM Kyler thing was a was a debacle. I'm glad he, he worked out at Oklahoma. He's fun to watch. Uh, and Miles Garrett, yeah, this defense, like we, it's funny that after Friday's show, um, <laughs> we talked to hey, we, we got to talk more about the other team. We got we got to do a little more like lead up to the game itself, some game dependent segments. And you look at this Cardinals team. There's just not a lot of interesting things to talk about with the Cardinals. Like with all due respect to Arizona. Seriously, with all due respect, there are not many players who are particularly interesting. There's not many matchups that favor Arizona. And I was going through the board, and we're going to do this on Friday, but I'll ask you guys now. Is there any position group on the field where the Browns don't have the advantage this Sunday? Mm. I'm serious. No, I, I don't I don't think so. Um but to to for the sake of being a professional, I will say this. I think the Browns got better overall wide receivers, man, but they got a lot of speed. And they they're wide faster. Receivers. You're, you're right. They're definitely they, they got the speed that you wish the Browns wide receivers had. Um, I think Buda Baker is one of the better safeties in the NFL. Yep. I think Zavin Collins, Zavin Collins was one of the people, was one of the players that I wanted to draft at the time. Uh I wanted the Browns to draft at the time that he came out. So you know they got some dudes, some young, some young talent. I think like that's a team that you know I would have looked to kind of try to like pick at to get some some young play uh, potential players I was, from. They didn't sell anybody. I was kind of yeah. So like I, I mean they they got some young talent man, but they got a long way to go. Um, I don't really think Kyler Murray is part of their future plans. If I'm being all the way honest, I think you know he's not. Yeah, he was a quarterback that was drafted by the head coach that was part of the old regime, and so. And that's why I said another reason why I feel like there's really not a rush to play him. I don't think he's going to be playing for them next year. And uh, I mean, the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, sweepstakes is real. So they have the first pick right now. If the season ended, they would be yeah. drafting most likely Caleb Williams. And with any team, if you have the first pick, I would say 99.99999% of the time, if there's a generational quarterback, you draft him. Even if you have a decent quarterback, and I think Kyler Murray's fine. That's not gonna happen, and I'll, I'm gonna piss some people off. That's not gonna happen. I know the Browns don't have a first round pick this year. If the Browns had a first round pick, they would draft a quarterback. No, no, no. I would trade because we got our first round pick back in 2025. Yeah, I would trade my 2025 first round pick, um, plus whatever else I got to trade to move up in the draft and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. I swear to God, well, I would too. I, oh, I, swear I, to God, I, would. I, I think he's that good, real quick. <laughs> I know it'll piss some people off because it'll be another year with no first round pick. No, screw that. Listen, if you get more, I don't Harrison, give a damn. <laughs> you can have my 2025 first and my 2026. Yeah, that like, dude is so good. You, that you dude is all, so man, good. You didn't already committed to so many other different yeah. levels of this roster, man. And like I said, Deshaun Washington is going to be here. 
Man, go ahead and go get Marvin Harrison Jr., man, and let him be the predecessor to Amari Cooper when it's all said and done. Well, there's a chance that right now, if the if the season ended today, Arizona has the first pick. They most likely take Caleb Williams. And then Chicago is the second and the third pick because they have Carolina's first overall pick from the Bryce Young trade last That's year. Like, man, they sick. take Drake May and Marvin Harrison Jr., 2-3. And you talk about a rookie quarterback entering a situation with the best possible option on the outside. And you could probably flip Justin Fields in that same draft for oh, you first would, round pick. And, and here, here's what I'm saying with the quarterback. <laughs> this is not a knock on uh, on Murray or Fields, or even in, in this case, Deshaun, like yeah. the Browns have the number one overall pick. You get a chance to reset your quarterback market. And a quarterback, of a, a good quarterback on a rookie contract is the single most valuable asset in football. So even if you think Justin Fields could be good one day, if you like any of those quarterbacks, you grade any of the quarterbacks coming out of the uh, coming out of the draft more than you like your guy, you take it, you trade Fields or Murray or whoever, flip them for an asset, and it starts your entire cycle over. Like if it from a football standpoint, it makes so much sense that you'd be stupid not to. Yeah, but I know that's like I said, that's that's like really like a hot take, but like I would take my 2025 first round pick to trade back up in the first round to package as whatever I got to package it with. And I would attempt to trade for Marvin, uh, try to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I know that's like the most out the box outlandish, probably would never ever happen scenario, man. But you got to think big, like you got to think yeah. outside the box type big. So, and Deshaun's had success with receivers like that. He's, you know, Marv's bigger than Deandre Hopkins with a big physical, Jump ball esque receiver is exactly what he had the most success with in Houston. It would be the perfect pairing. Uh, I don't know how much it would cost, but I'd do it. What I if we didn't it. trade our second round pick this year for Elijah Moore? Stay where we had and actually drafted a dude like Josh Dallas. Couldn't hurt, but I also if PJ Walker's throwing <laughs> the ball, it don't, I don't know if it matters. I'm, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. You want a little snippet of a of a McNugget fact for Friday? Sure. About P.J. Walker, and this one hurts to tell y'all, but uh, I got to be honest. If he's starting, we got to do it. P.J. Walker has thrown 65% of his passes that are deemed catchable. Like, not complete or not, but just catchable, 65%. Second lowest in the league is 78%. That's 13% lower than any other quarterback in the league. According to PFF, they grade accuracy trails. 30 is average. 30 is average, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The only area of the four that they track, it's behind the line of scrimmage, short, intermediate, deep, that is above a 30 is behind the line of scrimmage. Everything he throws beyond the line of scrimmage is essentially a giant crapshoot. So I don't think it really matters if they drafted Josh Downs. The only one who's probably good enough to avoid the P.J. Walker effect is Maserati Marv. Other than that. Noodles gaming just drops some knowledge. He said Josh Downs was still on the board when we drafted Cedric Tillman, by the way. Hmm. Uh, I would have to go back to the draft. Very good chance it was. And we're going to find out. Listen, they traded DPJ. Cedric Tillman is going to have a chance to play. I know we're going to talk about tomorrow on the show. But uh, he better show us something because there have been plenty of rookie receivers drafted before and after him that have balled out this year. I wonder why he hasn't been on the field, though. Like, I I, I truly wonder why he hasn't hasn't been on the football field. Like He hasn't even dressed. That, that That's more concerning to me. He hasn't yeah, even dressed. So. so, you guys ready to talk a little Cavs real quick? Earl, you were yeah. at the game yesterday, and I know 
there's a couple of things that we have to touch upon, but first and foremost, your first Cavs game of the year. What was the uh, what was the atmosphere like in Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse for a rematch of last year's playoff contention? Uh, uh, man, shout out to the Cavs, man. Again, I think the Cavs got one of the uh, best fan experiences in town. You know what I mean? Like just how they go about the halftime entertainment, you know, the in-between break entertainment. Um, the pricing on their food and drinks is really not that bad compared to what you get when you go down to Cleveland Brown Stadium or something like that. But uh, it felt good to be back at Side Rocking Burgers Field House. Um, was not a sold out crowd, though. Didn't they That's really it. expect that for for a national televised game against a team that you faced in the uh, faced in the playoffs? But uh, I thought the uh, I like the new interest video that they have. Man, being inside of there is just always a good time. As far as the game itself, whoo, baby, man, Evan Mobley is making me look bad. You know, I said it was good. <laughs> I said it was a unicorn year, right? And I get it. We like four or five games into the season, so I'm not trying to jump out the gym and just make seem seem like it make it seem like all oh, hell is breaking loose. But my man just had six points, like six points, and I get it. But and there's no to me, there's no rhyme or reason why Evan Mobley should only have six points in the NBA game. No rhyme or reason for that whatsoever, especially coming off a game when you just had 33 and 14. Like, for the love of God, where's the consistency at? And I, I really expected him to, like, be more up and ready for that game. This is a team that just knocked y'all asses out the playoffs last year. And for Evan Mobley personally, man, this is where your toughness was called into question a lot. And I thought you would have, like, been ready to play on national TV in front of your home crowds, y'all got the black jersey zones and and everything, and that's what you go out there and do. Like that's the performance you went out there and put forth. The good thing is, man, you got less than twenty four hours to go out there and redeem yourself because they play in less than an hour. So, and you went back and I know you watched the highlights. Uh, what do you think? Uh, it looked like Mobley didn't even want to be on the court. I, I think it was my first impression. I was listening to you guys, and you, you guys were texting back and forth about the game. You were saying how bad he looked because I, I wasn't watching it last night, so went back today. I, I don't think he even looked bad. I think he just looked uninterested. I mean, there was defensive plays. His arms weren't even going up. He he didn't take the ball away from anybody. He was getting boxed out, pushed around underneath. Same thing he did that happened in last year's playoffs. Like it's, I don't know. Like it, he put on what he put on eight pounds of muscle to just stand around, kind of. And his only offensive play, Earl, you're asking how he only has six points. He stands under the basket and waits for somebody to dump it off to him so he can get an easy dunk. Yeah, I think yeah. that was the only three times he scored. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was just kind of disappointing to watch. I expected – I kept an eye on him throughout. And I granted, I didn't watch the full game. So there mm-hmm. may have been effort plays that were outside of these highlights that the NBA cuts together that I missed because I didn't see it. But it was kind of – it was really, really disappointing to watch him. As Earl said, they've played four games. It is not – it's too early to hit the panic button or the eject button or anything too catastrophic, but we were promised Evan Mobley, the unicorn. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten Evan Mobley, the my little pony version so far this year. He has not taken taken the steps forward that you would like to see from a guy who was expected to go from nice contributor to a legitimate player. Yesterday was a chance. And I said this on the show earlier to kind of punch the bully back. We all know how the playoff series went last season. We all know what Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein did to Evan Mobley. And yesterday he came out and it looked like he played scared, which was a little disappointing to me considering the game before he had 33 and 14 against Indiana. Now, 
with Jared Allen out, Earl, we've talked about this on a number of occasions. We both think the Cavs' best lineup is with Mobley at the five and four mm-hmm. shooters around them. Maybe not most sustainable in the regular season, but at the end of games, that's their best lineup, or at least their best lineup in terms of modern today NBA basketball. Well, in their first two games of the season, without Jared Allen, and I'll get to Indy and New York in a second, the first two games, they played the Nets and OKC. There are not many fives in the league, Earl, that Evan Mobley should have the physical advantage over. But guess what? Nick Claxton weighs 193 pounds. The Nets get on him every year to put on more weight. He says he comes in bigger. The dude finds ways to affect the game defensively. But he ain't a big center. Evan Mobley's got 20 pounds on him. Chet Holmgren was playing his second career NBA game. Chet Holmgren weighs 210 pounds. Mm -hmm. Those are two guys that physically Evan Mobley is more developed than and in theory should be able to hold his own against. And in those first two games, we saw almost nothing from Evan Mobley that said, I'm ready to assert myself as a not even a back-to-the-basket force, but a guy you have to pay attention to when you get the ball down low. A guy that has to demand the respect that my my defender can't step up and help without any fear of me making them pay. And then Indiana happens, and he has 33 points, and you're like, oh, okay. There's the aggressiveness we've been missing. There's the little swag in his step, the little pep. He had a couple of jump shots. He'll never be a jump shooter. I, I, I'm, I'm giving up on the thought that he'll ever be a consistent jump shooter. He's just an average player right now who's pretty good defensively. And then to build on that momentum, he comes out last night and lays an egg again. These are the games without Jared Allen, and especially without Darius Garland and Karis LeVert, where he should be a focal point of the offense. Uh It can't just be Donovan Mitchell. They need somebody else, and there is nothing on the court stopping Evan Mobley from getting touches and at least trying to score. And what was most disappointing me yesterday was he had a chance on multiple occasions to go one-on-one with Mitchell Robinson. And I think I tracked of seven of the nine chances in the first half. He passed the ball. Yeah, he did pass the ball. And I'm, the ball. I'm, I'm, throw, I'm sitting a, there. throw a sack and at least take that shot. Yeah. Like, you have to look, be at least a threat. And right now he's not a threat. Just, just watching the game in person, man, as Anthony said, man, he just seemed like he didn't want to insert himself. Yeah. And that's the thing. You see Indiana and you know it's there, but he's not consistent at all. And it's like, man, I text y'all in a group chat saying, man, they out here playing like a bunch of you know what. You know what I mean? Like, and to your point, like, he don't have a jump shot. What's crazy is, like, I've seen kind of him in, like, a bunch of different shoot-arounds. Like, I, I get different videos and things like that. This dude really got a consistent 15-foot jump shot in practice. Everyone's in Yeah, that's exactly what they was playing. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what I said. <laughs> that's exactly what I, what I said. But like, it was crazy to see him, like, not really bring it, especially coming off a 33-14 and 14 game. And as you alluded to, you don't have Darius Garland. You don't have Jared Allen. So you you should be one of those dudes that's a, a focal point of the offense. And, you know, like, it's hard to evaluate the Cavs in a whole. One is five games, but two, they haven't been at full strength. We haven't seen this this total roster at its full capacity and see how everything gelled. But it doesn't mean that it's not frustrating. Right now, Donovan Mitchell ranks top five in points per game through the four or five games uh, early awesome. on in this season. And, like, the next highest calf is ranked 40th. And Evan Mobley is ranked 72nd. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Like, you're supposed to be a, like, this, I, the, let's even throw the word unicorn out of there. He's not. But but your potential, 
you know, said that you have the potential to be one of the elite players in the NBA. And you got to put it out there because as we alluded to and different talking points uh, throughout in last season, Evan Mobley got to develop into that dude, you know, for the cast to get to where they want to be. Yep. And the cast got all the talent in the world. Uh, another thing on last night's game, I think due to the injuries, I, I the one thing I appreciate is, in my opinion, based on just how J.B. Bickerstaff coaches, we got to see a lot of young dudes get quality yep. minutes that normally wouldn't have gotten quality minutes. Craig Porter Jr. is him. That dude is flat out him. Like to see him assert himself, it wasn't even a points. It was like the second possession of him being on the floor. That was the first block shot he had on defense. Jumped on my seat and went crazy. Yo boy, Sam yeah. Merrill, you know what I mean? Came in there, hit a, hit, hit a jump of, uh, couple of shots. But um, I like seeing Imani Bates get some quality minutes out there for real. So, and I think like in the grand scheme of things, when you look at the regular season, not really mattering, quote unquote, these are the things that do matter. You want to get those young dudes ready to play, man, because they might be a secret weapon that can help you, you know, down the stretch in certain points of this season. But um, it was a disappointing performance. Yeah. And they in the garden tonight. And I'm telling you. We're going to see. We're going to see. Mobley, if he never gets better. If Evan Mobley never gets even 1% better, he'll be a 15-year valuable player on an NBA team. For sure. Like his floor right now, right now, is a good quality player on an NBA team. We just expect more from him because we were told he's in that unicorn category with Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, those kind of guys. And he has the skill set to at some point be there. But Earl, when we did behind the glass last week in studio, we had the conversation, can he develop being a dog or you just naturally have it? And I will be right until I'm proven wrong that I just don't think he has it. And every once in a while, it may, it may flicker on, but he has to put together like a quarter of a season. I'm talking 20 games where he goes 22 out of 25 games where he plays like the Indiana version we saw before I'm willing to think that he has the ability to take that next step up. Because I haven't seen the progression of the jump shot. He's not good enough yet as a actual interior defender. He's a very good help defender, like a really, really, really elite, elite help defender, just like Giannis. I said it on the show. There are certain guys who are great as rim protectors, and there are certain guys who are great as free safeties defensively who just affect everything you do. Mm-hmm. Mobley, Giannis, they fit in that category where they are phenomenal and you want them nowhere near the rim, but they kind of can mess up everything. He's not a guy who's going to guard and beat on the block with any success. He's just not big enough yet. To Craig Porter Jr., Earl, you know that's my guy. You know I love CPJ. If we're calling him him already, I think we have to reevaluate how we use the word him. Like Donovan Mitchell can't be him and Craig Porter Jr. can't be him at the same time. Now you could be him on whatever level you are. Like so like <laughs> like like there's there's there there's like you know what I'm saying? Like there's, I it's levels to it. So like say like Donovan Mitchell is like a, a, a B level superstar, right? Fact. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's he's him on that B level. I don't know what level Porter is classified to be on, but whatever level he's on, that dude is him. Listen. Okay. This is a dude who was that's a, that's a segment, Anthony segment idea, the him meter. Yeah, the him, him meter. meter. Think about Am it. Am I just gonna have to draw somebody's face at this point? Man, this is an un, this is an undrafted okay. dude running point guard in the NBA. You coming out here, you scoring, you getting to the rim, you assisting the ball, and then you got the audacity to be out here playing defense, out here blocking shots, man. 
Hey man, salute to Craig Porter Jr. That's how that's how you show him that that you need to be here, that you hey, belong, that you him. You know I love Craig Porter Jr. One of the first guests we've had on the show who we got reached out to saying, "Hey, let's get let's get our guy in the show." His agent reached out to us. I talked to his agent last night. Shout out to Ryan, cool dude. We're gonna get Craig back on. He had that four minute stretch where he was the best player on the court. There was a four minute stretch in the first half where he crossed the dude up, he blocked the shot. Made a little uh, hesitation jumper, had a beautiful Euro step, did a fake handoff to the cup, almost dunked on a guy. There was a four minute stretch where he was phenomenal. And then he kind of teetered off a little bit. But when you're a young guy making your NBA debut or playing early in your career, just like Imani Bates did last night, even Sam Merrill, who's a little older than those guys, you don't get many chances about what you do with those chances. And Craig Porter showed in his limited time yesterday that, yeah. This was not an anomaly what I did in the summer league. Yeah. I can I can be put in a game and contribute. Amani Bates, still learning, still has a long way to go, but the shot making ability is there. Is there. And Sam Merrill, the dude can shoot the crap out the ball. Like no if, ands, buts about it. The dude's an elite shooter. So I was pleased to see in their limited minutes, and Amani and Craig both played 20 plus minutes. That's half a damn game. Yeah. They showed they belonged, and that's really all you can ask for, especially in garbage time when your team's missing three or four starters and your depth and your bench is kind of crippled by injuries. That's all you can ask for for guys who aren't going to be there for the full season. So it was impressive, and I'm not going to say he's him, but the Duke of Ball. No, he the him. Duke of Ball. <laughs> he him. Hey, hey speaking of, speaking of uh, a couple of things I need to hit on, you know, that I've just been paying attention through, uh, paying attention to, I need to go buy as much Isaac or Coral stock as I possibly yeah. can. Because if you're going to tell me that right now I can pencil in Isaac Okoro anywhere from 8 to 13 points a game, and I can count on that throughout the season, then, man, you cooking with fish grease right now. Another thing that I was excited to see yesterday, uh, Georges Niang, you know, got off to a struggle, man. But to see him kind of knock down consecutive three-point shots, um, not really be afraid to still let that thing fly. Like, he made I respect that as well. Yeah, I know he did. No. So I, I know Bull hate this type of talk when we complain about the refs, man. But listen, anybody who was in the building, I don't know what it was like on TV. I promise you the cast was playing the referees and the Knicks. Like a lot of the calls that was going against the Cavaliers was just absolute crazy. The touch fouls, the, the offensive basket interference plays, like it was just crazy, man. It was just like, damn, like this is what we up against for real. I'll be honest, watching on TV, I, I didn't particularly notice anything egregious, but it is a very different feel when you're there versus when you're seeing on TV. They only show certain replays. Yeah, it was crazy. The full, the full context of it. So it, it, it didn't seem that there. way on TV, but I will totally believe you as someone who was in attendance. And I know you watched the highlights, so you kind of get the in and out of, the, uh, of what you see. The NBA does a really good job cutting the game into 10-minute snippets, but – from the little bit you saw from Amani and Craig Porter Jr., you didn't see any of the bad stuff I alluded to. You literally only saw the good stuff. That's true. What, what'd you think? I mean, if I'm like, I'm just talking about my like nine and a half minute encapsul- encapsulated experience uh, for this game. I was, I wasn't necessarily. I don't want to say I was blown away, but the effort that they both put it, like all the young guys put in to every highlight that they had. I mean, Amani was making cuts on defense. He was knocking down threes. Uh, your boy Sam Merrill just dribbled it right down the court, hit one at the top of the three arc. Like it was just impressive. And it's nice to see that. Yeah. We're on the question mark tilt of 
you know, what the future of this team is going to look like with Mitchell and now with Mobley and everything. But these young guys, they play with a lot of heart and a lot of passion. And I'm ex- it makes me excited for the future again, watching them play. And I'm sure I missed all the bad stuff, but it gave me a good feeling watching that. Yeah, we're going to put a bow on this in a sec, and then we're going to answer some fan questions. But early, play the Knicks again in about half an hour here. Mm-hmm. Do you expect a response? And if you don't get a response, what does that say about this team? Absolutely, I expect a response. If I don't get one, I'm going to be disappointed. And I don't know what it necessarily say about this team, but it's definitely going to raise more questions. I think it's too early to kind of, you know, really put in concrete what it says about this team. But it's going to start making me question the toughness of this team. And um, I'm already questioning certain things that I'm not ready to talk about yet, simply because it's too early in the season. But you know, I'm just paying attention to rotations. I'm paying attention to the effort. I'm paying attention to a lot. And I have to understand that, you know, Darius Garland has not really been healthy. Jared Allen ain't even played a game yet. Karis LeVert was not there yesterday. So, like, I need to see this team get healthy, see them kind of, you know, how they play when everybody is there. And then I can really give you a real answer on what I think about this team. Because it's really, honestly, it's hard to, evaluate them until they get fully healthy yeah um i i, I kind of echo everything earl said i actually haven't had a chance to catch a full game yet i've only been watching the highlights so it's, it's hard to speak on the overall big picture of it right now but i am worried about them going into msg tonight and i i think that they need to get everything together and like earl said i'm paying attention to the effort because the NBA cuts, they show the good stuff. And when you see the bad stuff in those, you know, Mobley's really not putting in a lot. So keep the an eye on that. Man. And thank God for Coro. I'm, I'm happy to see him stepping it up this year because I didn't want to give up on him last year either. What do you say, Earl? Uh, the chat saying is what I'm not trying to say. So you can kind of like read between the lines. I had a conversation yeah. at a la- later date, but just know I kind of agree with them. Like, and I was saying this last year. Yeah, listen, if, if they show up tonight and don't put up a fight, they don't even have to necessarily win, but they don't they have to put up some sort of fight. Look like they're they're ready. And you know what? Effort is not dependent on who's on the court. Like you don't have Garland, sure. You don't have Karis, sure. You don't have Jared Allen, sure. Yeah, you're probably not supposed to win the game. But you can show up and you can fight and you can end up contending and standing uh where Against the team that you shouldn't. I know what you're laughing at, or I saw that. that that's kind of funny. But, <laughs> you <ain't> slick. <laughs> but, like, if they don't show up again tonight, it's going to confirm everything I was afraid of heading into this season. If you can change the pieces, and you can change the colors of a cow, but if a cow's a cow, it's still a cow at the end of the day. You can paint it red, white, blue, black, green, yellow, purple. It's still a cow. And if you can pick up what I'm putting down, then you know exactly what I'm saying. If they don't come out and fight – I think there's a bigger issue here than than the players on the roster. I'll just put it that way. Hey, yeah, like me and you said the same thing without saying it. Like, I don't, man, the, the Cavs got talent. And, you know, to your point, because I was thinking about something while you was talking, you going into MSG, you know, you kind of going back to the scene of the crime, man, to where they kind of snatched your soul. And that's on the leader of this team that's said that's not a player to make sure that your team understand that and they go in there and play with some heart especially just getting embarrassed and blew out at home on national TV a night before to where you had uh, 
the stadium holds about twenty two thousand to where you had less than twelve thousand people in the arena. So yeah. there you go. And it sucks too, real quick, and we'll get to if you have any questions, uh feel free to ask and I'll answer a couple in the chat already for us to get to. If you have any other ones, we're gonna answer those here in one sec. But it sucks that the regular season for the most part is so irrelevant right now because like Donovan Mitchell in the first half yesterday was brilliant. He was brilliant. And at the end of the day, none of it matters, right? Like yeah. <laughs> and it sucks because it feels so I feel bad that I'm that I'm devaluing a great performance. Like we should be talking more Cavs and more Donovan Mitchell because what he's done through he's four balling games, his ass out. Yeah. And it's no it's it's no shot at him, but the truth is with this team until you know it's 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 innocent until proven guilty. Well, like this team's soft till they're proven not. You know what I mean? And until they do anything in the playoffs, I they have to knock that stigma out of my mouth before I believe it. And it sucks that we're gonna have to kind of overlook some potentially great regular season performances because they haven't proven it on the stage where they need to prove it. And I'm not sure. There's any way to do that until the playoffs? No, I, I think it is because I think in the grand scheme of things, we know the regular season don't matter. But just like, you know, we look at the NFL season and we look at the Browns and we'd be like, man, that's a long season. We look at the marquee matchups against certain teams and then we check the temperature of the room. We check the attitude of the Cleveland Browns. We check the heart of the Cleveland Browns. We see what type of effort they show up with against the Steelers, against against the teams like the Baltimore Ravens and things like that. And so, yeah, the grand scheme NBA regular season is too long to really put too much into it. But you know what? When you show up against teams like the Knicks and you know it's something to prove there and you still can't get it done, yeah. like, man, I'm sorry. That say more about your leader because I know the Cavs got talent. I know the Cavs got players on this team that can ball out. I'm starting to question that these dudes are being put in the right situation to have success. You know, I'm starting to question like a lot of things that I'm 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 paying more attention to. You got a lot of young talent, and we know it. The people in the chat know it. If the injuries on this team weren't what they were yesterday, we know damn well we wouldn't have seen them young dudes getting the minutes that they got. And that's a damn shame. That is a damn shame because this is a team that has built their youth and development through the G league and, and getting and acquiring players that way. And you see these dudes that, that, that clearly got some skill and they really rarely get an opportunity to play throughout the regular season. And then if they put thrust in a situation to where they got to be called upon in the playoffs, like then quote unquote, the lights are too bright because you as a head coach didn't even give them an opportunity to play throughout an 82 game season in a league where people take low management so serious. Yeah. Like we're going to have to start having some real conversations about this man. Like tonight, I'm sorry. I know it's game five or game six, man, but like, don't, don't let us get embarrassed. Don't yeah. go out there and let us get embarrassed. All right. We got some fan questions. If you have a question you want us to answer, drop it in the chat and we'll be looking. And uh, we got three right now. We'll answer some more. If we get some of them, we'll, uh, we'll say goodbye and turn on the Cavs game. First one comes from, Evan419, happy uh, one-year anniversary, Evan, by the way. We appreciate you being a member of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Evan says, I have a question for Mikey. One shot for your life from the free throw line, Ant or Earl, who are you taking to make it? So I'm going to steal Earl's line here. And Earl said he's the only black man in the world who can't dribble a basketball between his legs. Those were his words, not mine. That's a fact. (laughs) I confirm those are my words. I've seen Anthony play. He's played with me. It was last year, kind of when I first 
moved here. He played with me once. And we had to make free throws to play. You got to make it when we split up teams. And I actually think Anthony made his second free throw. So with that knowledge, Earl, I love you, but I'm going to take Anthony only because I have physically seen Anthony shoot a basketball and it was not horrendous form. So I'm going to go with Anthony based off the eye test. I have a shot. I can't do anything else in basketball, but like, I, I wasn't giving that guy. I wasn't giving that guy given ability. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I, I wasn't giving that guy given ability. Um, <laughs> you need somebody that can run a little bit that can that can cover cover somebody. You know, when I did play sports for the time I did play, like I used to play a defensive back, and like I can actually hit a baseball. I used to be able to hit a baseball. Like, I used to go to the cages and put up at, like, 70 miles per hour, and I used to be able to hit it consistently. But that whole hoops thing, like, now I'll, I'll be asking my homies, like, y'all don't even be looking at the ball. Like, y'all just be doodle, like, serious with the crossover, like, the step-back jumper, like, the whole cradle and everything. Man, I, I ain't mad at y'all. Like, my little brother can hoop, too. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was a, I was a point guard slash shooting guard when I did play, but that was – so long ago, I was a soccer. <laughs> I was a soccer player, man. Like born and bred. Not the Stanley Husses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, uh... like it is what it is, though. You know what I mean? But I, I can cover somebody. You need you need a DB. You need somebody that can cover somebody. I'm your guy. All right, you need wait, somebody that on. can make a jump shot. Uh-uh. You you gotta you gotta catch a pass, and you got it's either you gotta run the route against Earl or run it against Tyvis. Pick no one. offense to Earl, but <laughs> yeah, you, no, like you pick an Earl. Like right? You're asking Earl against an NBA player. Come on, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, NFL player. It's been Excuse a couple me. years. Maybe you could get one off on Ty. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, man. Uh, I need suggestions no. too. Where should I go eat? I'm thinking about pulling up the parallel. Are you not you getting Wingstop like usual? I had Wingstop yesterday. Of course you did. Is yeah. the crispy chick on the way? Um, that's our other go-to. Know. I don't know. I, I I don't mind going to the crispy chick at this hour. Like, it, it don't bother me. I've been, at all, so. I've been on 55th at the Agora. I don't know how many times in the dark. Yeah, care. like it's, it's about it's about whatever. So I don't know. I'm just hungry, man. And it's it's definitely time to watch the cast. But uh well, we got yeah, we got like, we got two more viewer questions at least. Let me get these last two in here. Uh we'll start with you, Ant, and then we'll go with Earl and I'll finish this up. But which of this from uh Tony Maselli. Which of the three Cleveland teams would you rather see win a championship and why? I mean, probably probably the Browns, right? Like after the team moved and came back, I, I think they this team means more to the city than the other two. Not not like saying the other two don't matter at all, but I mean I we know it's a Browns town. And I the Cavs have gotten one. Personally. I'd want to see the Guardians because I like I just care more about the Guardians I think than the Browns overall. But I, if I had to pick for the city, it'd definitely be the Browns. No, no questions asked. Uh, for me, I mean, of course, everybody know I love the Browns, but like sentimental reasons, like you know, I got a deceased grandfather and my father is no longer here, and that's that that's that connection. I seen pictures. I was born in '87, and I seen pictures of me sitting on my grandfather's lap you know, during the AFC championship games against the Broncos. And so, like, I can remember when I started really, like, understanding what I was watching on sports as as a four- and five-year-old little boy, like, by default, I love the Browns. You know what I mean? Like, I came into this loving the Cleveland Browns. I can still remember so many Sundays 
as uh, you know, 10 years old after the Browns came back in 99 and, you know, going forward on Sundays, just sitting there with my little brother and my dad watching Browns games and, you know, hooping and hollering and screaming when we scored touchdowns, being excited when we won and being pissed off when we lost. One of my favorite memories is the Andre Davis 99 yard touchdown um, from Jeff Garcia. I can still see my dad going absolute bonkers behind that play. Um, I got a lot of sentimental value tied up into the Cleveland Browns. Like that, I can't wait. I can't wait for the Browns to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it. I've seen a Patriots Super Bowl parade when I was in college. I've seen the Giants Super Bowl parade when I was in high school, and they were both crazy. And I think a Brown Super Bowl parade would make both of those two combined look like a JV party. Like that's honestly <laughs> what I expect Cleveland to look like if the Browns were to win a you, Super Bowl. You wasn't here. You wasn't Probably. here. Anthony yeah. can attest to this. The Cavs parade is, oh, I, is that's what, what we I'm call stupid, right? If I the Cavs crazy. parade was that, time yeah. like 75 listen, for the Browns. Listen, the Cavs parade would be like, it would be a peasant compared to what the parade would be like in Cleveland. You know, like I stay, uh, like, like, so like I tell people all the time, like out Euclid, you know what I'm saying? I stay out Euclid. Forget starting the parade on Euclid, the street. The parade will start in Euclid and head downtown 90 West. Like, that's how crazy the parade will be. If you think I'm joking, McNuggets, I promise. No, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking I would rent out my apartment as an Airbnb. And you make, should. You and make, make a, I'd make six make months bank, of rent man. in one weekend. Like Listen, I almost got fired from my job for the Cavs. Like I, 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 so I worked at GNC at the time, and they weren't gonna let me go to the. They, I didn't end up going to the Cavs parade, but I almost got, I almost took the L and got fired to go to the Cavs parade. Yeah, it would be, it'd be absurd of the most epic proportions, and I don't think a city in America is more deserving of a championship parade for the team that they love and root for harder than Cleveland does with the Browns. So I, it'd be fun. A championship parades are all fun. But I think the Browns would be unmatched. And, uh, yeah, I think anything else would just be the wrong answer. Uh, last one comes from Strauss. He says, why don't you guys have Maurice Claret on anymore? Uh, Mo's the busiest man in the world. If you guys don't know, Mo does about 780,000 different things. He's all across the country. He speaks to basketball teams, football teams, high schools. He does motivational speaking. He opened up and has real estate. The man is the busiest man in the world, and uh, trying to find a consistent schedule with him has just been damn near impossible. And it, it's a good thing for him. That means he's busy and making a lot of money. So for good for Mo, but the uh, the timing wise and getting a consistent schedule just didn't really fit into play. But we love Mo, great guy. Maybe we'll bring him on for Michigan Week, but uh, yeah. So he's he's just a busy man. Earl, did you figure out where you're eating tonight? No man, I might uh, I might pull up at Parallel. What is Parallel? Yeah, I don't, I've uh, never heard this, of that. It's this new spot, man. Um, I done been there. This would be like my third time there. But a friend of mine that I actually went to elementary school with, um, she owns it. It's, it's, the name of it is Parallel Lounge, and um, they have like I think Dollar Wing Night and R and B Night on Wednesdays. Oh, it's yeah, a great go get yourself some wings, bro. That's an easy. Choice. Yeah, it's a it's a great atmosphere to sit up and uh watch the game. Like you know the real clean, real pleasant, real professional. They got complimentary like treats and everything. And I know the DJ that be spinning. Me and him actually went to media school together. So R and B sounds lit. Yeah, so I'm about well, to go, go check out Earl at Parallel. We appreciate y'all tuning into Behind the Glass tonight. 
We'll be back on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show tomorrow. Anthony is in the producer's chair, and we will see y'all at 11. See you guys in the morning. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.